All right. Hello, everyone. I know I'm all decked out for tonight's episode. Check that out. Well, kind of, right? Uh, tonight was the uh, funeral services for Shidoshi Paul, uh, our uh, instructor that passed here at the academy. Well, he didn't pass at the academy, but you get the idea, right? So uh, anyway, we had to kind of rework things. So James is actually here in my home office as well, uh, enjoying the makeshift decor that we have going on. Anyway, so um, what happens? What do we do when shit happens, right? Uh, or what do we deal with the idea that shit happens? We'll talk about that more when we come back. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us Concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world. How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. All right, and I'm back. I just realized that when I did that little intro, those of you on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and all that have no freaking idea what I'm talking about. So <laughs> I'm here in a suit and tie and, and all that. But um, anyway, uh, I didn't want to not do uh, an episode, um, to be honest. Um, I really do believe that Shiroshi Paul would have um, felt bad if if he got in the way, if you know what I mean, right? Um I don't know if you ever have ever had that feeling. Uh, I go into that regularly. Not that I can't ask for help or whatever, but I don't want to throw other people's um, day off, schedule off, whatever, right? So anyway, uh, uh, I, I originally had a different title for this episode, right? So um, it was really wrapped around uh, this phrase, right, that we use in training. Okay, uh, in the Bujinkan, it's typically used to open and close uh, most classes, right? So there's a long poem, I'm not going to go into the poem, but there's this phrase that we use, right? And I know you may have heard that in different ways, right? Um, but I'm not going to account for all the different ways that uh, Japanese is butchered, right? So, uh, uh, you know, people are butchering their, their native tongue, so we'll just, we'll just let that one go, right? But, there are many different ways this can be translated because it's another one of those things where ideas are brought together, right? And so it doesn't actually form a literal sentence, right? There's there's lessons that you, you pull out of it, right? Uh, and I'm going to be uh, actually uh, sharing another Japanese poem, excuse me, uh, from way back. Uh, here's a part of this lesson, but uh, the the phrase, right, uh, the way I was introduced to it um, actually matches up with uh, uh, the way one of the mandala that we use uh, in the in the Mikyo mind science, uh, the way that's laid out, right? And again, those things are like maps and uh, whatever, right? There's lots of ways to come in and look at those as well. But... Um, Shikinagamitsu.com, the the translation-ish kind of thing that I got way back in the day, which is the one that we base everything on at the school, is that everything, right? And for those of you not on uh, live, right? Uh, you didn't see me make air quotes, right? But everything, right? Little D Dharma, right? Uh, everything 
holds the potential of being that thing which uh, creates the enlightenment or understanding, right, that we seek, right? So everything, right, holds the potential of being that thing, right? Everything holds the potential of being that piece of the puzzle, that answer, that perspective, that aha moment, right, that can help complete the picture, right? So that you, you get it, right? You're not... You go from guesswork to, oh, that's what that is, right, kind of thing, right? Uh, if you've ever seen uh, Buddhist uh, statues, Buddhas or Bodhisattvas, unless they're a wrathful manifestation like Fudo, Fudo-myo, Gozanzi-myo, Aizen, whatever, unless they're one of them, um, they're obviously in wrathful uh, uh, posture, right? Um, but the rest of them uh, – their their lips, the corners of their mouths are slightly turned up. I don't know if you've ever uh, looked at them or not, right? So they're not in a big old cheesy grin. They're not in a big smile or whatever. But the corners of the mouth are ever so slightly turned up, just a little bit, right? And what that's supposed to represent is that moment where you go from pondering something to all of a sudden you get it and Again, I apologize to those of you on audio. You're going to have to kind of imagine what this looks like, but I'm going to do this for uh, for the live people, right? There's that that moment, right, where your face shows that, oh, I get it, right? I get it. So uh, there's, again, there's that thing, right? If we look at the, the phrase itself, right, and the way it kind of, corresponds to three major areas on the mandala. One section, shikin, right, spelled S-H-I-K-I-N, typically using Roman letters, right? That's not chicken, right? Like chicken, chicken, right? James is in my office over here, so I get to look at him, right? <laughs> right? It's not chicken, right? The first I is clipped, shikin, right? Shikin. Uh Corresponds to the intellect, right? Left brain. I'm pointing at my right, the right side of my head, so it shows up left when you're looking at it, right? But it's left brain, right? It's your intellect, right? Then Haramitsu, right? Spelled H-A-R-A-M-I-T-S-U, but that U is clipped. These are linguistic things in Japanese, right? Haramitsu, right? Um, Corresponds to the right brain, corresponds to the experiential side of things, right? So shikin, uh lines up with like uh, the best way to kind of look at that is like book knowledge, right? Academic knowledge, right? I learned that thing, right? I read about it. I studied it, whatever, right? Haramitsu, right, corresponds to street knowledge, right? School of hard knocks, experiential knowledge, right? Um, you didn't go through a geometry class to set up a tent, Right. You didn't go through whatever. Right. You didn't have to go through a physics class to uh, learn throws and all that kind of stuff. Right. But with our techniques, the, these aspects are still there. Right. Teacher will demonstrate something or have you go through step by step or whatever. So mechanically, you, you learn it. Da, da, da. Here's what this is supposed to do. Here's how it works. Right. When you get this, what you're doing inside his shoulder joint is this thing. Right. Whatever. OK, great. Right. Uh, you know, you're watching YouTube videos, right? And so, oh, okay, see, he's stepping this way and twerking the elbow and, okay. 
But that's just theory, right? I mean, it's just an academic understanding. It's not until you get in there and you actually get wrapped up with another human body and you're moving yours and his and whatnot till you start to find uh, there needs to be a certain angle. The joint has to be in, in just the right place. I need to be at just the right place. So he's a right shoulder and punch me in the throat while I'm trying to, you know, manipulate his shoulder or whatever, right? And then there's almost, which may or may not work and probably not. And then there's this is going to work, right? So some people don't need the theory, right? Some people are very intuitive, right? Teacher teaches, student looks at it, works it out, figures it out. Ah, okay, great. Okay, so they've got what we might call, again, street knowledge, experiential knowledge, right? They can't explain to you why it works because they haven't studied the the physics, the the anatomy, the physiology or anything like that, right? They just know there's a certain feel to it. His body looks like this, that kind of thing, right? They've kind of worked it out. Um, but the physicist or the, the bio, biologist, the, uh, you know, the doctor or whatever, right, um, knows how all the parts are supposed to go together, right? They know that if the, the head of the humerus goes, in, you know, too far in a certain direction, it'll rip these bands that hold the shoulder together at the front, right? They understand all that kind of stuff, but they've never really done that, okay? Uh, I've had some students in my school that were either going through medical school or they're a doctor, a, a bunch of doctors, right? Um, where they'll make this comment that uh, I don't know the names of the bones or the body parts or whatever, but I know how they go together and know how they're supposed to work, how they're not supposed to work or whatever. And so, you know, that goes. But what the, almost all of them has said, you know, because my joke is, oh, come on, man, you went through medical school. You should be faster than everybody else on this. And they'll lean in and they'll go, yeah, um, I learned how to put it back together again. Um, they didn't teach us how to rip it apart. Okay? I said, well, look at that. You're going to have twice the knowledge when you're all done, right? So, um, but then... So Shikin, right? Uh, sorry, left brain. <laughs> Trying to do it for you, right? Left brain knowledge, right? Intellect, right? Very cold, right? Very cold, right? Here's the data. Here's the information, right? Uh, Haramitsu, right brain, abstract, experiential, that kind of thing, right? So they there are actually two columns on the mandala on one side and the other side, right? And then right down the middle, right? Um, is this daikomyo, right? This enlightenment, right? The wisdom, the understanding, right? The knowledge about how to practically apply the things, right? But the lesson within the mandala at that level is that the enlightenment occurs when the book smarts about something exactly lines up with the experiential about it, right? So the more these two can be, um, uh, even or equal, right? That creates this this spark, this aha, right? This this beyond intellect and not just you know street smart kind of thing, right? So uh, the idea is that when they're both there, right? Um, for those of you as old as me, right, and can remember when cars had spark plugs, right? Maybe you have an older car, so you get the idea, right? For that spark to fire with the best possible chance of like igniting all the vapors in a given cylinder in an engine, right? To create the greatest amount of power, right? Because too much, you're going to put a lot of internal pressure and it'll, it'll uh, 
cut down on the life of the of the engine and whatnot, right? Too little, and you're wasting a lot of fuel, right? Because it won't ignite everything, right? So uh, we used to have these these little things that were like a little disc, right? Had these little um, squared off wire pieces. James, I don't know if you, if you remember these things, right? Uh, you bought these things at a, at a um, uh, auto parts shop or whatever, right? And all these little loops that went on the outside, they were fixed, right? But they were just a piece of wire of a different gauge, okay? And so if you were replacing spark plugs or whatever, you looked up what the spark gap was for your particular engine size and all that, right? And so you got your new spark plugs, and before you put them in, you pop this thing in and out, right? And you might have to tap it or whatever, but you put it in there to make sure that the gap, because it's the, the, the one – uh, bar, right? So you had one coming through the spark plug and then one at the top it was bent kind of an L shape. It was that space between those two that had to be just right. Okay. So uh, it was a cool thing, right? Again, a car analogy for those of you who understand it, just uh, just know that it's a, it's a balancing game, right? So uh, you can have teachers on both sides, right? Uh, somebody who's uber intellectual, right? Maybe able to tell you why something works, how something works, the science behind it and all that. But since they've never practically applied that in real life, right, they can't solve problems that involve that. Conversely, you have somebody else, right, that learned it intuitively. They were maybe an intern or they were a, uh, what do you call those, an apprentice, right, or whatever, right, where the person that's teaching them is showing them and then they're doing it and the guy's either saying, yeah, that's right, or no, you listen to me. Right. Do it like this. Right. Um, And eventually they figure it out. But they might not make a great teacher because, again, they're just saying, look, I do it this way. Do it like this. But they can't explain the who, what, when, why or how. So it could take longer to fix a problem because they don't understand what's supposed to be going on to make it work. They just know what it's supposed to look like or how they do it or whatever. So conveying the knowledge might be difficult. Um, a teacher or, you know, a master typically has both, okay? So what the mandala is pointing out is mastery, enlightenment, wisdom, whatever you want to call it, right? It happens when your, your knowledge about something matches up with your experience about that thing. Not glossed over, but they're equal. You know how it works and why it works, and you can make it work, right? Um, then this enlightenment uh, kind of happens, right? Uh, you know, so that's why my students have book reading and they have, uh, well, they have uh, training drills and all that kind of stuff, right? Not just kata on one side and henka, make it up as you go on the other side or whatever, right? Um, henka is a bridge, but it can be as variation for those of you who are new to this, right? Um, but Authentic Henka and authentic Rondori, what Rondori points to, is a natural outcropping of these things, right? Uh, you don't have time to intellectualize inside the bubble of a fight, right? So you have to go by feel. But the feel creates questions, and it's a it's a feedback loop, right? So I go and I learn something, kind of like if you if you were in uh, middle school, high school, college, whatever, you were in a science that had a classroom study and a lab, right? So in the class, you're learning the who, what, when, why, where, how, whatever, right? How it's supposed to work, what you're supposed to be able to do. And then you go into uh, the lab and you mix the chemicals or, you know, connect the wires or whatever, right? 
And so the results then either say, okay, you got that part, but either way it creates questions, right? So if I got it and everything worked out right, the natural question is, okay, what's next? So we go back to the classroom, learn the next lesson, go back to the lab, test out my knowledge, right? Keep working a couple of different ways and all that. If I go to the lab and it doesn't work, well, that creates a natural question too, right? Like what happened? Okay, what went wrong? So you go back to the classroom. So it's a double feedback loop, right? So it's just like Kata and Waza, right? They're, they're, it's a feedback kind of thing. Anyway, so the question that I posed, right, is, you know, shit happens, now what, right? Or, you know, and then or whatever, whatever was on the, on the thing there, right? Um, but what I was, what I was really hinting at, because here, here's my problem. Here's my problem as a teacher. If I post a, a title, and a write-up that makes people make assumptions, like they already know what what the lesson is, ego will just jump over that, right? They'll just opt out of the class. They'll not do that because they make the assumptions they already know because the wording, the description, or whatever sounds like something they already have a handle on, okay? Um, so... Sometimes I have to be like backwards and mysterious. Okay. But let's go back to the Shikinata meets Daikomyo. Um, remember, everything holds the potential of being that thing, right? So what about when shit happens? Okay. Well, in Mikio, we'd say, we would say that if shit happens, it isn't really shit, right? It's a lesson. Okay. So, um, not that we like it, right? But when shit happens, what ends up happening is we have to wake up, right? Which is another phrase for enlightenment, right? In, in Buddhism, right? Or in Eastern philosophy in general, right? We have to wake up, right? Um, notice I didn't say be woke, right? That's a bastardization of things. We have to wake up, right? Because everything's going fine, and then all of a sudden... It's not, right? And sometimes it's not to the nth degree, and you have to scramble, right? The degree to which you have to have to scramble is also the degree to which you have to wake up and pay attention to more and more things and sort things out, right? And, you know, if you're smart about it, not that no one, you know, you're not smart about it, right? If you really understand the process, Right. You know that you need to take a step back and be aware of things at different points and you have to drop the assumptions. OK. Anyway. Right. Um, that would be the lesson, except that um, just like with was it last week's uh, this past week's uh, Whiteboard Wednesday. Right. I dedicated that to uh, Shoshi Paul, who has been extremely instrumental in the growth of warrior concepts. Uh, almost since the beginning. I mean, I, I met him when he was a su uber young man. I'm, his parents brought him to me when he was 10 years old, right? Um, I was not, right? I'm 19 years older than him. So, um, well, I guess I'm 20, right? Because, you know, 19, 19. Anyway, so, uh, and then, you know, life happened. Parents had their own little issues and things like that. Don't see John for a long time. He comes back at 22, right? And now he's a single dad with some 
personal and character traits and things like that that he would like to get handled, right? And so, um, uh, you know, single dad wants to make sure that he's being a good dad, teaching the right lessons, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, what I did, so I'm, I'm, again, I'm dedicating this episode of uh, Kuden to Shoshi Jonathan Paul, who uh, I just awarded his sixth-degree black belt at the end of September, September 27th, I believe. Right? Um, it's just one of those surprise things. He and Shoshi Whistler both uh, were promoted on the same day. So, uh, but unlike a lot of curricula, right, or the lack thereof, um, we have standards and there's things that I'm looking for and all that, um, that he had to measure up against and, and all that kind of thing, right? So it wasn't like I said, hey, you know what? Now you're a sixth on. Okay. So anyway, um, uh, his brother and his son asked if I would do something because I mean, John was, John was just as involved with the, uh, the personal development side of the training, right? Eco and, and all that stuff as he was with the, uh, the, you know, unarmed self-defense, right? He really did believe the, the fact that we can't do good in the world if we're not in the world. So the self-defense, the, the combat techniques, right? While they're the last thing we ever want to use, right? They're what keep us in the world when bad shit's happening. We all know that, right? But something that both martial and meditative teachers have told me along the way is if you're not in the world, you can't do good in the world or you can't do good in the world if you're not in the world. Right. So he was on that dual path as well. And uh, they asked me to do something, um, you know, kind of turned into a lesson. Right. And um, uh, I, I think to honor him, to, to make sure that I'm not just sharing it with strangers. I mean, most well, I would say that most of the people we didn't know, but um, like a good chunk of the, of the academy showed up. Right. We we had what, three, four rows. Right. What's that? Four rows, yeah. Um, so um, it was it was pretty fun. People were looking around, and at one point the pastor uh, said he heard that you know there were some black belts in the, in the room or whatever. Um, where, are, are there any black belts here? Did they already leave or whatever? And I looked over my shoulder. I said, "Black belts, stand up!" Right? He's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so I think what he alluded to was that uh, he he's never felt so safe doing a funeral. Um, whatever. So it was, it was pretty funny, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I wanted to, wanted to do right by his brother and his son, his son also trained. Um, and so, you know, I, but I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to make people feel uncomfortable because when you get philosophy and religion, again, depending on how people define a religion, right. Um, they might've been taught things early in their life or whatever. And I, I didn't want to make people feel uneasy. So I made this as, uh, generic borrowed, you know, a couple of things from, uh, from Japanese teachings and whatnot. Um, even though the person that I'm about to quote from, uh, was a Japanese poet and lay Buddhist, uh, priest, right? So, uh, what it turned into was a bit of a lesson for people to ponder. And again, um, in honor of Shoshi Paul, uh, I thought I would just share it with you as well. Right. So I've got some notes. I don't want to like mess things up or whatever. I don't want to dishonor. I don't want to get kind of lost or sidetracked either. So uh, 
this is this is actually a haiku, right? It's a type of Japanese poetry. It has to have a certain number of syllables and all that. That's beside the point, right? A haiku different than a Zen koan. A Zen koan seems like it makes no sense, but what it does, it's supposed to cause your brain to lock up so that you stop trying to make sense out of something. A haiku is just the opposite. A haiku is a very, very condensed poem that is supposed to wake up your brain. And to understand it, you actually have to look more deeply at what's being said, right? What's being conveyed, okay? So there was this Japanese poet, lay Buddhist priest. His name was uh, Kobayashi Isa. Kobayashi Isa. Uh, and he did this poem on impermanence, right? And the human condition. Okay. So I found this. I thought this is pretty interesting, right? Um, not, it's not that difficult to dive into and figure out, but I found, you know, little commentary snippets here on that or whatever. And then it just kind of grew out of that. It's not very long, but it'll start with this. There's a couple of three points, right? That I think that I extrapolated from it, right? Um, that are important pieces, right? That we can learn from this. And then it comes right back to Shiki Narimitsai Komyo, right? It comes right back to that same understanding, right? That everything. Now, at the funeral, I called it a lesson from John, right? Because the idea, if you truly understand Shiki Narimitsai Komyo, if you truly understand the lesson that anything no matter how small, no matter how seemingly insignificant, could be that thing that wakes you up and creates that next level of understanding, right? Then nothing doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, that was part that was uh, part of a title that I was uh, considering using before I settled on shit happens and, right? Um, the nothing right nothing doesn't matter right this is, this works really well in english right um it, it's it's like very very mikyo very like dual meanings hidden in a simple thing right because nothing doesn't matter i was an english major right you, you say nothing doesn't matter to me uh 30 years ago 40 years ago my brain goes right i mean that bad english right but if we Put a hyphen or we put a hash or whatever, slash mark between the O and the T in nothing and break it into two words. What have we created? No thing doesn't matter. Okay. And that's the idea, right? What do you do when shit happens? You start paying attention to things, right? You might have to write off trauma for a little bit, right? Hopefully not too long, right? Get the work, right? Um, just, you know, people tend to use trauma. I mean, it's not that we can't be traumatized. Obviously, our systems can be traumatized, right? But the quicker you can get over that and through it, even while you're still dealing with the trauma, right? I mean, his passing was a shock to all of us, right? He was 40 years old, for God's sake, right? Anyway, um, the sooner you get through it, right, then get back to work, right, trying to figure it out. Right. Um, I've had things in my life that that have been pretty friggin bad. Right. And I'm, I'm struggling to get my bearings. 
but I know that just like something that's, you know, if I were floating in a river and, and, you know, the currents just pushing and whipping me around, right. Um, it's going to tire me out a whole lot faster if I'm trying to swim upstream or trying to fight the current or whatever. Sometimes you just let go, you let the current carry you and then you get your bearings and then you kind of ride that off to where you need to go, right? It's the same thing with life, same thing with anything going on, right? So sometimes you let that happen and then you decide, okay, right, the emotional sting is gone. I, I can control that enough. Now it's time to dive in. Let's go, right? So anyway, um, I'm going to start with Japanese and with Japanese. Don't worry. I'll, I'll translate, okay? So uh, Kobayashi's poem, right, is Tsuyu no yo wa Tsuyu no yo nagara, sari nagara, which means the world of dew. A world of dew it is indeed. And yet, and yet. See, I told you, crazy wisdom, right? But anyway, um, uh, as pointed to by uh, a guy named Adam Pearson, I don't expect you to know him or whatever, uh, he did a commentary on this short uh, piece, right? So, what he says is uh, Kobayashi's poem underscores our recognition of the impermanence of life and yet our tendency to hold on to things as though they would last forever, even though they can't. Right? This and yet also points to another essential aspect of the human condition. This aspect is the persistent feeling that there is something more to be found or learned. That part of us that leads us to repeat a pattern or habit, despite knowing we will die trying to figure it out or to hold on to an illusion, despite being able to see through it. Right. Kind of like going to see a magician. Right. I'm going to be entertained. Right. I might be able to see through what he's doing. And as an amateur magician myself, when I watch somebody, I, I know basically how the, how the thing works. But if they're any good, I can know how he's doing what he's doing, but I can suspend that. And just be in awe of his proficiency, skill proficiency, mastery, or whatever, right? Um, it's the same kind of thing. But let's go back a little bit here to the aspect of being persi- of that persistent feeling, right? That there's something more to be found or discovered, right? That's on, on the mandala as well. Um, it, it's what keeps us repeating a pattern, right? Keeps us uh, uh, repeating a habit or whatever, right? Like Oh, I don't know, going to class, practicing, right? We're going to die in the end, right? All this will be what? We could we could end up living our entire lives. Some of us have been lucky or unlucky enough to have to use it, but we could spend our entire lives studying and training and never have to use it, right? But look at all we discovered. Look at all that we're discovering, right? And John knew that, right? We all know that. It just keeps us going, right? It's also why we get that gnawing, shitty feeling, right? Our subconscious is poking at our our heart or whatever when we're binge watching Netflix or YouTube or whatever, and we know we should be getting off our ass and practicing or cracking that book and studying or going to see if somebody needs help or whatever, right? So uh, just like the do, right? It's there. Right. Um, but it's very simple. Right. They're just drops of water, droplets of water on on uh, grass. Right. 
you know, do we give them, give it much consideration beyond, I don't know, getting pissed off because our socks and shoes got wet, right? And, uh, gives us something else to hate in life, whatever, right? But the reality, if we dive into that, right? Right? What is it that dew can teach us, right? Well, again, impermanence because each of those dew drops, do we give it any, any thought when it's dried up and gone by noon? Okay. It evaporated. It's gone. Yeah, but it'll be back tomorrow. No, your concept of dew will re, uh, reappear in the world tomorrow, but those same dew drops are gone forever. Okay. The cycle goes on, right? We'll see dew again, just like we'll see frost again and we'll see the sun again and all that, right? But those rays of sunshine, the, you know, the ice particles, right? The dew drops. It's one and done. Okay. But why, you know, I mean, once we see it, right? If you remember questions you ask a child, what makes dew happen? What is that? You know, all those kind of things, right? It's that inquisitive mind kind of thing, right? That helps understand the world better, right? Um, this, uh, let's see, let me get to another one here. Okay, so uh, I found this other quote. Um, I was doing, a, I was pretty much going to be in a Judeo-Christian uh, funeral um, service. So again, didn't want to alienate anyone, but um, it's this guy named Ogden Nash, right? Um, in one of his writings, had this really cool uh, quote, God, in his wisdom, invented the fly and then forgot to tell us why. Right? This lack of a definitive answer is directing our attention to the search for meaning in life right? and the meaning of the world around us. Okay? Um, if, you're a, if you're a student at Warrior Concepts, long distance, local, whatever, right? You know that we have these different creeds and, and codes and vows and things like that, right? So we have this one set that's called the vows of intention. And one of those vows, right, is I intend to learn as much as possible about myself, my world, and my martial art, okay? Because the more I know, the more I can do. The more I know, the less likely it is for people to be able to blow smoke up my ass. The more I know, right? Um, the more I know, what I, the more I know what I don't know. There's all, you know, so it's about, you know, just getting as much as you can while you're here kind of thing, right? Um, the more I know, the more I can use that as fodder for my conceptualization processes and create new things. You know, the more I knew about this martial art and the more I knew about the principles and concepts and not just this kata, this name, this kata, this name, this lineage, this name, whatever, right? The more I knew about the principles and concepts and how each of these was designed as a solution for given problems, the easier it became for me to translate that into uh, training materials and training programs and things like that for workplace violence consul uh, uh, consulting clients, for Boy Scout, Girl Scout, whatever uh, groups that would bring me in and they wanted their people to learn certain things. Well, great. I'd have to go out and study 50 million other things, right? Got a whole melting pot of stuff here, right? But the more you know, the more, you know. So anyway, so let's take this, this, um, this idea of this, um, 
for the fly, right? We'll just continue on with the fly, right? So in Zen, the fly's existence is the why. Life supplies its own reason for being. Okay? Well, we, it, we will find meaning, right? The people looking for meaning in things, sitting on their ass, pondering and dwelling on why, why, right? Why did my friend John have to die at 40? I don't know, right? It was a shock. But what about John's life? What about our shared experiences? What about whatever, right? I wouldn't have those, right? Well, I might have had similar experiences in similar areas, okay? But they wouldn't have been the same because John wouldn't have been there. He would have had, <laughs> what I say tonight, John flavor, right? Everybody laughs. Like, no, 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 not like, uh, you know, um, what I say, not uh, uh, not in a cannibalistic way, right? So, <laughs> but anyway, right? So, um, so uh, again, from Zen, right? The fly comes into existence. Well, this is from Almikyo, right? The fly comes into existence as a result of countless causes and conditions, right? Um, just like we all do, right? It never exists by itself, right? We like to go around the world, our lives and whatnot, thinking that everything happens in a vacuum because that's all that's in our perception, right? Meanwhile, back on planet Earth and the universe and the galaxy and all that, right? So, um, again, it never exists by itself, right? Only interdependent, right? Relying for its existence on everything that supports it. The fly depends for its being on the non-fly. I know how woo-woo that sounds, right? But what that means is everything outside of it, oxygen, plants, the shit that it eats, or, you know, rotting food or whatever, right? Um, the warmth of the sun, right? Everything, right? So we're the same, right? Not that you're a shit eater too, but anyway, maybe, right? Um, everything we are depends on everything that we are not, okay? It's all part of this, right? So anyway, um, as I was going through this, and again, I, I didn't want it to sound like a sermon. I didn't want it to sound like whatever, right? Um, I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be a kind of a teaching or a lesson or whatever, right? Again, lessons from John, right? Um, because I think that all these things, they're nothing if if they're just read, right? If they're just, you read it and then you go, oh, hmm, that makes sense. And then you go about your life, right? It, it, they're nothing until they're put into practice. So what I did was I, I kind of pulled out three main points that I got from all this that I'm certainly going to continue to look into, right? And I was hoping that at least one of these would strike a chord with folks um, to help them make sense out of things. Right. Because in all honesty, I think shit is happening all the time. Because one person's shit is another person's like <gasps> aha moment. Right. One person's, um, you know, oh, this is great. Another person's like, that's stupid. Right. That's shit. Right. You spent how much on that? Whatever. Right? If we can understand. Right. That. This is this is the truth, right? We're not all satisfied by the same things. We don't all have the same questions, right? And if we're paying attention and we're open 
and we're actually studying. Not just kata, not just this or that martial art, not just whatever, right? Hobby turned cool hobby, whatever, right? We're actually paying attention. The lessons are around us all the time. The answers are everywhere, right? So the three main points that I pulled out was one, the do itself, right? From this poem, right? The do itself. It points to this cyclic process of life, right? It's evaporation. In other, in other uh, uh, episodes, right? I talked about uh, in the Ninja Scrolls, right? There was that, uh, the different paths, right? The, the Do um, ways of learning, the Jutsu ways of learning, and this whole or pole, right? You have Karate Do, right? You have Jujutsu, right? Uh, Aiki Jujutsu, whatever, right? And you have nin pole, nin hole, nin pole, linguistic change, right? Um, and how it relates to a mountain and, and the whole water cycle. But we're back to the same thing. So if you understand that one, this is just a microcosm of the whole thing, right? The point is it doesn't stay for very long. They're all unique, right? The more we just keep looking at it, it's, it's do, man, it's wet grass, right? You've seen wet grass once, you've seen it, you know, you don't need to ever look at it again, right? Um, that's like going around the world with a camera and just taking snapshots, right? Flipping through it once or twice and then put it, oh, you know, what 99.9% of people with a smartphone do these days, right? That was cool. I want to capture that. 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 Why? Um, basically, so I'm bragging my friends back home. Look at all the cool stuff I took pictures of. Not that I experienced because I'm missing the experience while I'm taking damn pictures. Well, I want memories. Well, great. How often do you pull the memories out? How many phones have crashed or that, you know, you ran out of memory in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the phone, right, and ditched your memories? Not for me to answer, right? But it's about this, this you know, the, the, the fact that it doesn't, it doesn't last that long, right? And it actually has a purpose, right? There's something beyond droplets on grass right that points to the life of the grass that points to how that is actually affecting us and is a part of our lives right it doesn't matter for paying attention to it right just like gravity right you don't have to pay attention to it you don't have to like it you don't have to believe in it or whatever but if i sweep your feet i don't care what you call it gravity's helping okay same thing with the do, right? So, again, from this, what I pulled from it was enjoy the time and recognize its purpose beyond just what we see. Same thing with us dealing with each other, right? Spending time. I just, I don't have to wonder. I don't know names, but I'm betting that there's at least half, and that's conservative, at least half the people that watch these after a certain point their phone comes out and they're trying to multitask between playing a game or checking their email or whatever while they're supposedly listening to the lessons not a betting man but if i were i'd take that bet okay and i'd win okay because ego needs to be entertained we never know when somebody's going to say something do something 
something's going to come our way, there's going to be an experience or whatever, that is just going to make all the difference, right? Um, so again, right, recognizing the purpose, right? John knew that. He knew that this training would never end, right? And yet, remember the poem? And yet, and yet, and yet, he continued on training well beyond black belt, well beyond second down. I just promoted him to sixth down, right? Regardless of the fact that all of this would someday end. And it has, right? So the second lesson that I kind of pulled out of this, right, was about interdependence and interconnectivity, right? So many people at the academy and long distance who've come in for seminars and all that stuff, right, or are in on the virtual training and whatnot, right, um, many know him as a teacher. But the reality is a teacher cannot be a teacher without students. Right? I've met people in my life that uh, – that's what, you know, what, what, what they do for a living, right? And they go, well, I'm a teacher. I go, oh, oh wh- where do you teach? They go, well, I'm between jobs now. I'm unemployed. Oh, well, you're not a teacher. You have a teaching degree and you have the credentials and capacity to teach. I mean, the secret is ultimately we're all teachers. We're all role models, right? The question is, are you the kind of role model you want other people following? Okay? Because somewhere somebody's looking at you going, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. Right. Um, But either way. Right. Without students, active students, a teacher isn't a teacher. Right. I may be a high ranking black belt that has learned a bunch of stuff, but I'm not a teacher unless I'm in the presence and engaging and interacting with students. Just a hat that I wear. But not all the time. I don't treat my three year old grandson the same way I treat everybody else. In class or not, I don't walk around. I've met people, maybe you've met people like this too, right? Uh, I, re- I met a guy once. Uh, my, my daughters went to a private school, and um, it doesn't matter that it was a private school. But anyway, um, there was an, uh, kind of an after-school kind of thing. It was a play, right? And so I'm there, you know, my daughter, she's doing her thing and all that. And I meet this other dad, right? And um, I find out. Right in small talk or whatever, right? That he's a he's an investment guy or whatever, right? And um, uh, all he kept talking about was the state of the market, investments, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, um, okay. Um, hey, did you know it was really cool? Um, a couple of practices ago, I'm sure you already know the story, but a couple of practices ago, right? Your daughter did X, Y, Z, whatever, and my daughter thought that was funny, and he was never around. Right. He showed up to make an appearance at this play. Right. But I quickly found out that I knew more about his daughter than he did. And he lives with her. Right. He couldn't not not talk about investment banking. Is that all you do? Is that like, honey, what do you want for dinner? Well, if I could have an IRA with little uh, 401k gravy on it, that'd be awesome. Right. What the hell? Right? I know people in the martial arts that can't not talk about martial arts at every friggin' turn. As we would tell the Star Trek geeks, I'm one of them, right? Get a life. Right? It's about life. Right? Um, so anyway, right? So again, many of the academy knew him as a teacher. Many 
knew him now and coming up through the ranks and all that, right? Many knew him as a training partner. Okay. But he couldn't be that without the collective group on the same path who trained with him without peers, right? It's not going to be a training. You wouldn't call him a training partner if you've never trained with him or you don't do it consistently. Right. James, is he a training partner to you? On classes when he came in as student, right? But if you're in a class where he's the teacher, so he's both to you, right? So um, that kind of thing, right? I had a hard time tagging him with a, you know, what am I to him? Hmm. He's a martial arts teacher. Well, that's not enough because I've known the guy for almost 20 years. We've had dinner together. Some of those dinners we were upgrading curriculum for the dojo and other ones we were just celebrating you know, somebody got married, so we're at their wedding. Somebody, um, he and I were the only ones that showed up uh, for the death of one of our students that um, hers was not unexpected. She had so many things that she was fighting. And then COVID came along and we found out like last minute. And John and I just like met and, but we didn't meet there as sensei and, you know, senpai, kohai, whatever. Friends of hers from the dojo and, you know, we had done other things together as well, right? So it's just, you know, to be pinned down by a given title, just, it's just, it's either really difficult or it's really telling, depending on the person, right? So on interconnectivity, there's this concept of one, right? We're all one, right? And it's not a bad Buddhist joke, like, you know, you hear the one about the Zen priest that walked into a pizza shop, asked for one with everything. Uh, it's not that kind of thing, right? And I know it's, Probably was well received with you as it was in the uh, in the funeral, but that's okay. I tried to break the mood, but th- this isn't abstract, right? If nothing else, right? Now we're long distance. Some of you guys have been in for for training. You've been in for seminars. Some of you guys are local students that are tuned in. Um, but think of any group that you're in, right? And that can be just a group of two, you and somebody else. Five minutes, 30 seconds, five years, family get together, whatever. Okay. If nothing else, we all share the same air. I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but we all share the same air. What one of us breathes out, the other one breathes in. I know all the, all the masks are going to come out again, but either way, right? So, Here's the thing, right? Just talking about my friend John, or you can talk about anybody else that you know, right? You don't have to share the same blood as that person, the same genetics, nothing, right? If you were in that other person or those other people's presence in whatever capacity, the same air touched both of you, both of your lungs. Okay? And whatever effect you had on it while it was within you, you share with them. And whatever effect that other person had on it while it was within them affected you when they shared it with you. And I don't just mean it touched your lungs. And I'm not talking about pathogens or anything like that. Of course, they're, I mean, shit's all over the place, right? I'm talking about that effect touched you to your very DNA. 
it affected your genetic code. This is science. Okay? You can deny the science, but, <laughs> right? So, and because this is, because of this truth, right, you will always carry a part of everyone you've ever been in the presence of. And the effects that that person caused with you, right, you're going to be sharing those things with others. And this thing is going to continue, right, for the remainder of your own life, right? So, uh, anyway, so the third, right, the third lesson um, was about gratitude. And I'm, I'm not going to do a little gratitude, you know, gratitude attitude and, you know, be, make a list of things you're grateful of and all grateful for and all that, right? What I want you to think about is how you're a part of a much bigger thing. And I don't mean family and all, I mean way bigger, right? So here's a little thing that I that I, I did with everyone that was at the service very very quickly. Um, this is a lesson that I do with my Nico students on a regular basis, right? Where I can prove to them with something that seems so small and insignificant, maybe even funny, that you actually affect the lives of nearly everyone on the planet. Okay. So now I very much abridged the lesson at the services, but I'll expand on a little bit more here. So let's take a look at uh, a hamburger, right? I used a Whopper because we're in the States and people know that. So if you're not, pick something else, right? But we have this, you know, fast food restaurant kind of thing, right? Burger King, they're famous for this Whopper, which McDonald's is a Big Mac. Uh, they're a Whopper, whatever, right? I don't care. Pick whatever you want, right? I pick this because everyone can kind of get their head wrapped around, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to start with the paper wrapper that's around the sandwich you just bought, okay? We'll start getting an idea because it's it's it'll blow your mind if you think if you really get down into everything that's going on, right? But let's start with the paper wrapper. How many people worked to ensure that that was present for you when you bought the wrapper? I don't care if it's that piece of paper or any other. We're going to just, you bought it, right? You paid money for it, right? I'm going to prove that you contributed to the lives of nearly everyone on the planet. Okay? So it's just a paper wrapper. Uh-huh. So who planted the trees? And even if nature planted the trees, who harvested them? Okay. How many different jobs are in the logging industry that felled the trees, stripped them of their bark, transported them from point A to point B, right? Oh, shit. Now we're in the trucking company or trucking business. Now we're in the transportation business. Now we're in distribution businesses. Now we're in fuel businesses. Now we're in vehicle manufacturing businesses. Now, you get where I'm going with this? Tire manufacturing, the oils and synthetics that go into the engines, the material, the, the uh, textile companies that made the, uh, the seats, 
that are in the transport. You get where I'm going with this? Okay. Rubber, all that kind of stuff, right? That's just for the logs. Because now we got to move those to paper mills to shred it, right? So machines do that. Who made those? Working parts. Again, there's a whole distribution network in that, right? All this, right? And then so all the way through the process of pulping the, the wood, da, 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 da. we're not even off the paper yet. You hear where I'm going with this? Okay. All the way to that. And then, oh, hmm, there's a logo and some other printed word, words on here. So now we have ink manufacturing and all the trucking and transportation and <laughs> admin and all that kind of stuff that's going on in there, support services that they hire, all that kind of stuff, right? The banks and 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 other uh, accounting companies and whatever they might be tied into and all the other ones might be tied into, not the same companies, right? Um, the ink, right? So where did the ink come from? How did it get manufactured? All that kind of stuff, process, the base chemicals, all that, right? And then it goes where? To a printing company who's now going to print that stuff and you get it, right? And then that gets all boxed up, goes on other trucks that, oh, wait, boxes, cardboard, right? <laughs> and they have printing on them and all that kind of stuff, right? And then, okay, so we just did all this, and I just I just skimmed, skimmed the surface, right? Should we even bother to talk about the bun, the burger, the cheese, the vegetables? No? Well, you didn't touch everybody. That was just the employees, right? Why are they working? Support their families. So now you've got other people that are dependent upon you making that insignificant little purchase, Right. So they're going to be grateful that, yep, you got a lousy diet and you bought a Whopper. But what about the fact that if these people didn't exist across every food based industry that you deal with or that you interact with? Right. If they didn't exist, you'd be doing your own gardening, your own cooking and everything. So gratitude, right? Okay. When, you're, when was the last time you felt gratitude when you received your paycheck? Well, I deserve that. I worked for that. Okay. Fantastic. What else is behind it? How many people worked to make sure the business you work for stays in business Make sure that the social structure stays the way it is so there's a need for that thing that your business creates. I don't care what your capacity is. I don't care if you work on the on a labor line or you're a bookkeeper or I don't care, right, so that you can get a paycheck. Okay, so gratitude. So the lesson is gratitude. Gratitude for life. Gratitude for some aspect, in this case, right, that I've spent with John. Gratitude for whatever aspect of life you've spent with the people that are surrounding you, even the strangers. Okay? And gratitude to learn the lessons of meaning, purpose, and a life well lived. To me, that's... You know, when I go to a funeral service, yes, I'm paying my last respects to my friend, but there's another reminder. John lived his life well. 
He loved the outdoors. The cool thing, well, one cool thing was he passed peacefully in his sleep. He had a heart attack in his sleep. Great. That's one of my prayers, right, that I can know ahead of time. I can uh, come to peace with that impending thing, right, and that I pass peacefully in my sleep, preferably aware that it's coming, right? That's a big Buddhist prayer. Um, but he had just returned from a two-week fishing trip. Big outdoor guy, right? I was making jokes all the time. I hope he doesn't catch anything. He didn't. <laughs> Ninja magic. But but he had a great time, and that was the that was the point. And all that he was itching to get back to the dojo and all that. So the thought of being a teacher and helping students was on his mind, right? He had just come back from this great outdoor thing, which was so much a part of him, right? had a great relationship, all that kind of stuff, right? John was living a good life. Okay, so yes, there's the lesson that no matter what, it's all going to come to an end anyway, but he lived a good life, right? He was grateful for a lot of things, uh, that kind of stuff, right? So anyway, so, uh, you know, uh, again, meaning, purpose, a life well lived. And so in the end, as it is always, right, and as many of my students, right, if you're one of them, you know, right, have learned through this poem that we recite in the Bujinkan, we recite this thing at the beginning and end of every class. In our dojo, it depends on the program that the students in or whatever, so for me it's not every class, but, um, and especially the ones for the seniors, right, we recite at the beginning and end of classes, that reminds us, Stay awake, stay alert, stay aware, pay attention. The answer to make that next jump could be right around the corner. It could be the next breath. Could be, could be, right? Everything has the potential, holds the potential of being that thing, which can carry us to the enlightenment, the understanding the wisdom that we seek, right? So anyway, um, again, I, I felt that if I was going to share that with strangers, I should probably share it with people that are like considering lessons. I know that this Kuden is not everybody's cup of tea, right? Most people just want to learn how to do cool fighting moves and destroy another human being, but somehow not think that they're, you know, not a bad person, but they don't think that that's, you know, kind of off or whatever, right? And it, it, it's fine, right? But they're learning things in a vacuum, right? What is it that we're doing to give our lives meaning, to live to a purpose, and to make, to create that value, right, that's worth protecting? All my new students, especially, well, pretty much all of them, they come in for an intro class, and I discuss this stuff with them, right? Um, we just start with, with a lesson on respect, okay? What does respect mean? And the short answer is respect is showing other people places and sometimes even things, right, that they're as important to you as you are to you, okay? And then I say, do you think you're important? Do you think you're valuable? 
the number of people that get locked up with that question. Do you think you're valuable? Do you think you're worth, you're, you're worth something? I hope so. You're learning self-defense. Hopefully there's something of value you're trying to protect, and it's not just the fear of death. Right? What is it that you're trying to keep in the world? Okay? We don't put, generally speaking, we don't put uh, security guards on trash dumps, jewelry stores, banks, places of value. Right? That's where my paycheck comes from. That, they better not steal all that money. If I can't cash my check, oh. Okay? But there's a connection to all this, right? Kudan is about this, this other stuff, right, that, that gives reason, right? goes right back to what I said in the beginning, right? I can't do good in the world if I'm not in the world. So the martial aspects are necessary. They're going to keep me in the world when somebody comes to change all that. Okay? But if I'm just sitting around bitching and complaining, and it's not that people are wrong when they're bitching and complaining about corruption and all this kind of stuff, but what are you doing to, to fix it? Well, if I bitch to enough people, somebody else will take action. No, 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 no. Where's your skin in the game? Okay, don't just sit around surfing the Internet and learning about all the evils that human beings uh, toss on top of themselves and then just be what? Be an activist. Well, there's a job. Right. OK, so I'm going to make other people aware of it. Did, does it fix the problem? Right. Or are we just bullies in disguise thinking that if we bully enough people, they'll change their ways and then I'll get my way. The world will be this peaceful vision that I imagine. Okay. What are we doing? Right. Screaming about the homeless, but you don't have any living in your house? Doesn't speak a lot. Okay. Fighting for this oppressed person's rights or whatever, but um, you're not actively engaged in the system and process that lifts them out of that problem. That doesn't speak to me. And, and we're all warriors. Warriors are the ones that step up, that are willing to take the arrows and bullets, right? Getting things done, right? Handling the oppression and all that kind of stuff. They're not the ones on the sideline screaming and chanting and all that. No, no, no. Those are the people that buy bumper stickers and, and fly flags and all that kind of stuff. But again, no skin in the game. So anyway. I'm going to get off my pulpit now or get off my pedestal or whatever the hell it is, right? So um, I'm, see, I can just look right here because uh, James is just sharing a space. But I'm still going to look at the little black and white picture down here. I'm going to fire him up so you can see, right? So anyway, uh, now you're going to hear me in his, in his microphone. That's funny. Questions? This is going to sound looking weird. <laughs> No questions. <laughs> Turn off my speaker. Holy crap. Well, that takes care of things on my side. Awesome. Yeah. All right. We'll fix that technical yeah. problem. <laughs> questions, comments, complaints? No questions. Good, dressed up? <laughs> of course, I'm always dressed up, so. With that?
Carl's on said good evening. Carl. Carl, Carl, Carl. Good evening. And Shidoshi White is on and said rest in peace. Shidoshi Paul, fortunate to have known, trained, and learned from him. You bet. John touched a lot of lives. Like everybody in the room was like, you went to Japan? I had to correct that. Yeah, twice. I was planning on going again. They're all like, well, like that's on the other side of the planet, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not like I'm asking you to go to Saturn, right? It's all in contact. Anybody else? Anything else? Mm-hmm. Questions? Comments? Jimmy Zone said, Konbanwa and my condolences. Konbanwa. That's like it. Did it? Wow. Bot on YouTube, I was getting rid of. What's that? There's a bot bot on on YouTube. YouTube. Ah, you gotta love it. Which is why I don't pop those things up on my screen anymore. Right? And uh, Josh Bloom just put, like the Burger King analogy, last time I heard it, you did it. It was. Mossburger? Mossburger? No, was that in Japan when I did? Maybe. Mossburger's an Australian uh, burger chain that is really, really popular in Japan. Oh. I've never eaten there because I can't get past the spelling because to me it looks like Mossburger, and I'm not that uh, <laughs> close to vegetarianism. I mean, I, I eat a lot of vegetables. I, that really balanced my, my meals out and all that, but to me, moss is stiff, fuzzy stuff, but dirt on the other side. So. <laughs> I'm sure it's very, very good. Everybody tells me it's really, really good. But I have not done moss burger. <laughs> moss burger, whatever it is. And he also said, rest in peace, John. Thankful for the time we had. Yeah, John's a good guy. I like to believe that some aspect of him will um, be shared universally hmm. among everyone. It's that thing about energy, right? Energy has to go somewhere. So, uh, anyway, is that it? Josh said, Ma's Burger is in Taiwan also. Much better than Burger King. But I know that's not saying much. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I don't eat a bunch of those places at all. I just grab something that, you know, had parts to it, right? Because, you know, if I just go, uh, we're going to do a steak, right? And, you know, it's, it's, it's the more complex things are, just like us, more complex, right? The more you get, and I, and I want the student to be overwhelmed right. by the interdependence. By the fact that, like everything, right? Um, one of the things I share with my wife on a regular basis is that my, my wife is a lotion addict, right? But the doctor just told me to dry my skin, isn't it? Okay, well maybe it's dry, because, right? But anyway, you know, people put stuff on, sunhand lotion, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's to block out the sun, you know, harmful rays, and not get it sunburn, all that kind of stuff. But um, everything that goes on your skin ends up in your bloodstream. Like, very directly. You didn't even have to ingest it. So, nothing doesn't matter. Right? What the hell's in your suntan lotion? Or, you know, 
what doesn't hurt you, you know, da 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 da. Okay, but if you're slathering up 52 times in the last two hours, right, and you've gone through a bottle and a half in the last two days, um, yeah, okay. It's kind of like that med medicine, that medicine analogy, right? A lot of people believe that if a little's good, then a more will be better. They accept that all medicines are poison. So, anyway. Is that it? Oh, yeah. Uh, Shinoshi White just said, not gone, just changed, transformed. There you go. Right. So, I mean, we went and we, you know, we did a, a memorial and whatnot, but, you know, the body. And again, if you know the process, right, that the mortician and the, you know, everything that went on, um, you know, I, I don't want to start that little discussion because that could really turn some people off, right? Um, we were there looking at what was left over, not even a reasonable facsimile thereof. Because whoever did the makeup should have been fired. Anyway, um, but, you know, um, everything, everything, even, even terrible things. In Mikio, right? We have a mantra, a mudra and a mantra for going to the bathroom. Nothing doesn't matter. And it's not about like what most people think of because they equate it with a religion or whatever, right? It's not that. It's a wake up, right? Pay attention, right? Because that part of our process that most people, you know, dirty and disgusting, so, so much so that they, you know, they were taught as a kid, right? So they don't even want to pay attention to it. Right? Don't look, don't, whatever, right? Um, that's, one of the first signs that you have of your body's health, hmm. hydration levels, all kinds of stuff, right? So there is literally a mudra and a mantra for everything. Interesting, huh? All right. We good? We're good. We're good. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, let's see, reminders coming up here, my schedule here. Uh, we have vacations and all that kind of stuff coming up because here um, in the States, uh, holidays are upon us. Uh, our Thanksgiving holiday, which is this weekend, or this week coming, or this week, right? Thursday, Friday, that kind of thing, right? It's not going to affect uh, Cuda at all. Uh, it won't start to affect until around the Christmas, New Year's break. Let me just take a look at those things over there and see if we're in out so um, at this point we will not have a kuden on december 26th uh, the last class is at the academy for those of you local or on in the uh virtual um was it nipple master class program right um let's see uh last classes for the year are thursday the 22nd of december the 23rd is our Academy Christmas party. I will be opening that up. Uh, we'll be setting up the laptop and the cameras and all that. And just kind of letting people kind of pop in and say hey and all that virtually. Um, kind of share in the in love kind of thing, right? And then from uh, the 20, well, actually 23rd is the classes, right? The 24th through January 1st, um, there... There are no classes, right? I and the staff take off. We'll reboot before we 
kick in for the uh, new year. Yes, pun intended. The second, right, Monday the second, January second, will be our first podcast. Um, for those of you who are students, the academy is closed that day for classes because that's our test night for those of you who scheduled the test um, for the December test, right? So we would normally be testing that last week of the month, but since we're off on vacation, there isn't one. So uh, we'll be testing and then I'll be jumping right on and, and doing the podcast. Um, usually what I'll, uh, the topic for that one is typically around this, this Japanese phrase that's used in the first week after the new year. Um, and also during the Christmas party, I discuss uh, symbolism and things like that that's used in Japan um, and how these things relate and how the Christmas, New Year's holidays uh, between Japan and the States uh, and the meaning behind them, and I don't mean like the religious meaning or whatever, right, is, is opposite as far as which one is more commercial, which one's more, you know, whatever, right? They're actually flipped, right? So I talk about that um, uh, beforehand, but the, uh, the first week, right, we discuss uh, things like that. So people can understand a little bit more about the culture and, and the mindset, right? They're not just teaching you how like, to do these, these moves and all that stuff, right? All of this stuff, everything in this art, right, was developed by people who think drastically differently than we do. And I don't mean good, bad, whatever. I mean the way they process the world is different. And if you don't know that, then a lot of the stuff that people come up with is just freaking guesswork. But if you know what the intent is behind it, then you can translate that into our form of it and get the benefit that you're supposed to be getting. Because remember, the past masters, when they wrote out the scrolls, right, the makimono are different from the densho. Densho are just a list of kata, which is where 99.8% of people want to focus. Makimono, it's all the philosophy and all that kind of stuff behind it that gives power to that, right? It gives reason. To why that's done that way, right? But the past masters did just pass down denjo. They just didn't pass down moves, right? They passed down a way of thinking, a way of processing, a way of assessing, just way more, right? Way more. So, um, hopefully, hopefully this was helpful, right? Um, you know, and. This is going to sound really, really, really odd, right? But I'm even going to thank Shoshi Paul for passing. That doesn't mean that I wanted my friend to die. But he provided another lesson in the act of passing. A whole series of lessons. A teacher to the very end. And the way we ended our evening with him and we actually we actually decided um, to show up. Uh, the services ran from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. And I said, let's all be there and walk in. So we're there, in there at 5 p.m. Because that was a normal class time. We canceled the 5 p.m. class at the academy tonight. And so we were all there with him in the same context, right, as though we all were showing up for class. And then at the end, at the end of my little lesson to everyone, I called the entire Pure Concepts student body up that was there. And we faced the teacher. 
sensei today. Shout out to the teacher. Show respect to the teacher. That was that was our step. And that was actually the wife of one of my black belts. That was her idea. But that was brilliant. Brilliant. So anyway, we wanted to be there one last time as a group. Symbolically with him being a part of the group. Depending on your faith and belief and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but still thanking the teacher for the lessons. That's yeah. how you honor your teacher in whatever context. You live the best life you can. You continue to live, act, speak, learn, to thank them for getting you started, getting you to the next level, whatever their role is. And that's not just limited to our arts teacher, somebody with a teaching title, whatever. Anybody that's ever tried anything. There we are, back on gratitude. And that's it. That's going to wrap this up. So I appreciate everyone being here. I appreciate everyone being a part of this, uh, this let's call it an honorarium, right, to somebody who I met as a young boy, 10 years old, but who went on to be an instrumental part, an integral part of the growth and life of Warrior Concepts. And we'll leave it at that. So if you have any questions or comments or whatever, send those via email or IM or whatever. We're just going to wrap this right here. So I will talk to everybody again next time on our next episode of Kudan. Get more of Kudan Radio, subscribe through your favorite podcasting site, or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.